So if you're hearing this, this is Squeaky and Mako from the... That's a terrible way to start. Mm -hmm. If you're hearing this, you've decided to listen to the Disevidentia podcast from the beginning. Exciting. Now, this is great because we do reference our past episodes, Mm -hmm. but our audio quality kind of sucked. Yeah, we had something of a plan, but we kind of just wanted to dive in and started recording before we had all of the equipment we wanted. Yeah. We didn't have our formula figured out for quite a while either. Yeah. So for the first three or four episodes, the audio quality isn't great. We got our first real microphones around episode three. Mm-hmm. Episode five is about guns. That's a really good one. Yeah. And around episode 10, we sort of got our formula figured out and our sound quality stopped significantly improving. Yeah. About 10, episode 10 onwards. Pretty good, we think. If the sound quality in this first part is too rough, consider skipping ahead to any of these episodes. I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. And no matter what you do, we hope you enjoy the podcast, and here's episode one. Warning. This podcast contains adult themes and ideas, like accountability and the word fuck. Disevidentia. An inability process evidence and a podcast all about it. This is going to be our first episode. It will come out sometime in February of 2021, and we would like to discuss disevidentia, because it is clear that a huge number of Americans are suffering from it. I'm Squeaky. And I am Mako. And we're both software developers. We are experts in following evidence, because our jobs are nothing but being detectives in a murder mystery where we are our own murderers. Today we are going to focus on a few examples from 2020 where people exercised disevidentia. We're going to be talking about faith healers that have closed their door to faith healing because of COVID, Trump's support of veterans, Trump's COVID response, (laughs) what has been dubbed Kung Flu anti-maskers and their hypocrisy regarding the COVID vaccine and the notion that COVID-19 was a man-made virus. Before that, I'm going to give you a little bit of a rant. I coined the word disevidentia during a discussion with some people on Reddit. These people had good intentions. They meant to give evidence to Trump supporters or religious people, in hopes that this would change their mind. As if there is some piece of evidence you can give to someone who is still a Trump supporter in 2021 that will spark change. These well-intentioned Redditors are familiar with using evidence in their day-to-day lives, and they take this ability for granted. Perhaps they are doctors, or lawyers, or software developers, or some other category of experts, and they need to make new and complex inferences and presume everyone else does also. They ignore millions of people out there who don't need to, and they ignore the millions of people who are in similar professions that simply don't. I have been a software developer for something like 20 years, and in one of my early software development jobs, I worked with someone who simultaneously believed that the Earth was flat and that the Earth was hollow. I hope that I can rely on my audience to understand that either of these ideas is ludicrous when compared against any evidence, but that isn't the point here. We have all met someone who has denied something that was real, perhaps even done it ourselves, but it is rare to accept two such mutually contradictory things, real or false. It didn't matter to him 
that a flat earth didn't have a center. Because the merfolk armies, or the mudmen armies, or whatever armies he believed in, were poised to somehow strike out from the U.S. military bases and the mid-ocean rifts to take over the surface and kill everyone. See, by being poised in the center of the Flat Earth's sphere, they could rapidly access every strategic point on the surface. And this didn't conflict or contradict with the notion that the One World Government or New World Order was propagating round-globe misinformation to keep the flatness secret, presumably for their own sinister reasons. This person had a master's degree. This person was a software developer for 20 years, when I was only a few years in. This person was highly competent, earned a professional wage, was able to manage databases, troubleshoot software, and handle novel complex tasks. Yet somehow, this person couldn't handle some basic contradiction and logic using evidence. This person honestly believed that the One World Government and that the Mermen or subterranean armies were going to come out of the nearby military base to attack and kill everyone nearby. Despite this, he continued to do things like buying property and living near the military base. I mean extra property, like rental property, with the goal of producing a secondary income. He had no reasoning reconciling these beliefs with these actions. It is easy to think that maybe I just had passing conversations with this individual, but we carpooled together to go to work the next city over. Me and him carpooled to go to work every day for an hour in each direction. Two hours per day we spoke for the duration of my time at this job. I got to understand his ideas inside and out, and they simply didn't fit with each other. This wasn't a simple matter of the flat and hollow earth being donut-shaped, or bubble-shaped, or something similar. No. The earth was flat and a disk, and the earth was spherical and hollow. He believed both of these, and it didn't matter that this simply couldn't happen. This is disevidentia, an inability to reliably process and integrate evidence. Other than holding mutually contradictory and therefore impossible views, this person was intelligent, capable, and professional. People like this are why I have repeatedly compared disevidentia to dyslexia or dyscalculia. These other issues are comparatively well understood, diagnosed by doctors, and don't always prevent someone from leading a fulfilling life or having a successful career. Someone suffering from one of these issues doesn't make them stupid. It doesn't stop them from being stupid either. I suspect such people are stupid about as often as anyone else. I have worked closely with people who have dyslexia, and when empowered with the right tools and environment their intelligence shows in their work, perhaps we can do something to empower people with disevidentia or somehow shelter them from people who would abuse and mislead them, like cult leaders or traitorous ex-presidents. There we go. I fucking hit the record button. Good job on that button. So let's get down to the discussion of news and things. But first, sharing the idea of three sources. Um, I figured it was important that for every topic we discuss, we have multiple sources. 
so we could eliminate common mistakes. Anytime any single source can make a mistake, checking several, uh, I usually aim for three because it's an easy amount to get to, and it's enough that if there's a mistake at one place, we won't see it anywhere else. Yeah, the three sources, it helps filter out certain biases that might be in individual publications, and it helps build uh, this this framework of knowledge that is necessary to have confidence in certain pieces of information. So three sources is a, I mean, there is no hard number for it. It's just three is a, a comfortable amount, like a good middle ground between the amount of effort it takes to collect information and the amount of confidence you want to build in that information. Uh, it is not perfect. In some cases, publications will provide three sources and it'll still be bad, particularly when the sources like to reference each other in a circular fashion. That's particularly special. Yeah, that happened a while back with uh, the Boston Bomber. Yeah. Right? That, uh, what was it, CNN copied Reddit and a bunch of other sources copied CNN and then CNN just kind of quietly dropped it when they got a good accurate source. Ugh. Early on in Maybe the... Maybe tr- not remember. Er- Sorry? Early on in the Trump presidency, there was something similar where there was a, a circular reference between uh, a Trump tweet, Breitbart, and Fox News. All three of them were referring to each other? Yeah, it was... <laughs> do you remember any special. of the substance of that? I Unfortunately, I do not. Well, actually, you know, you said Trump tweet and Breitbart. What substance? <laughs> yeah. You mentioned this was a trade-off. This isn't perfect at finding the truth, right? No, of course not. Um, yeah, sometimes there's circles. In theory, there could be some evil cabal managing everything. That would be terrible. And uh, do you remember that, I guess we're going to have to link this one in the show notes, but you remember that video where it showed all of the different Sinclair news stations repeating the exact same thing? Yep, that was creepy. Yeah, so the solution there is to make sure that your different sources are actually different sources. Don't cite three different Sinclair news stations as three different sources. That's one source, Sinclair. Yeah. (sighs) Go like a a one or two steps removed ideally from what you're reading to understand the the motivation for them sharing it and hopefully there there is no motivation other than to inform people hopefully (laughs) but a lot of places it's not like that one thing i like doing is crossing over to international sources the bbc or al jazeera i don't like al jazeera as my only source but like if i'm really curious what people where really third parties think about a thing, I'll go read the Al Jazeera thing, and they'll pick and choose different parts of a story to be important. But if the numbers agree, I can at least be confident in the numbers. Yeah, so it was the only other fault with uh, the, the whole three sources method is that it still requires trusting secondary sources. When I say secondary sources, I mean like the primary source is the person who made the news or people right there near the news. Like somebody who's on site. Or like a live video stream of the event happening. That would be a primary source. But a secondary source is anything a reporter tells you. And there are people out there who just don't trust reporters no matter what. No matter how often they're shown to be accurate. So they're not going to like the three source method. They're going to go with their one QAnon source or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I wonder if how much of that is the result of, well, I can put a face to this, and therefore, you know, faces have biases, and I don't know. People coming up with really weird... Because... Sorry? Uh, you're saying that because QAnon doesn't have a face, they're more trustworthy? No face, no bias? Because uh, without the face, you can make up any number of weird rationalizations for why it conforms to your beliefs. It's like, oh, there is no face because it's actually a group of people and they are all doing more work than what I can commit to with whatever amount of time that I have free and available to me to do this. That's just one small example of a bad rationalization that could occur when you take faces out of the equation. As soon as you have a face, you have a, an individual identity and, and individuals have like ambitions and drives and of course corporations and, and organizations also have ambitions and drives but it's not rationalized quite the same way by a lot of people that makes sense and often an organization will be more upfront with what their rationale is to pick an organization whose believers often suffer from disevidentia the nra you know, for whatever you don't like about them, at least they put up front, we are pro-gun, and we will do everything we can pro-gun. Yeah, so if they come out and say something about, like, a Disney movie, they probably aren't grinding their axe. Probably not. <sighs> no. Wait, did Elsa ever have a gun? Uh, no, uh, although Elsa was able to shoot magic uh, projectiles, so that's gun-like. Oh, and they did come at her with a crossbow. That is also gun-like. I bet the NRA would be pro-crossbow. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, guns are often referred to as equalizers, the great equalizers, and the crossbow was the first great equalizer. <laughs> uh, okay. I hope the, I hope my laughter comes through on the recording. Uh, that's so stupid. Yeah. Feel free to just interject any time. No. Alright, the first batch of headlines. You suggested for our 2020 recap that we discuss how faith healers closed their doors to COVID. Yeah, I wasn't able to find quite the, the original story that I was looking for, regrettably, because uh, I want to say that back when COVID was first happening, a year ago, a little under a year ago, actually. Then there was a big, like, mega church faith healer in the United States that was like, yep, we're no longer doing faith healing, but couldn't find anything on that. So I just, I moved on. But there was another faith healer that we did find that uh, near as I can tell is outside of the United States who didn't consciously close their door it just incidentally close their door to faith healing it's hard to keep your doors open when you're dead yeah you're talking about franklin uh indifor or i suppose we should call him pastor franklin that'll be you've got a washington post article a huffington post article and a patheos article all cross corroborating this yep he, <laughs> he regularly conducted uh, lay on hands for people who were infected with COVID-19 and claiming that they were cured. And of course, 
you know, never mind the statistics on how many people are asymptomatic or how many people have only mild symptoms, and it, especially in the age groups that uh, a lot of these people are actually going to see this guy in the first place. Uh, ignoring all of that, because that's inconvenient. Uh, claim to do lay on hands, and uh, even after he was diagnosed, I believe there was comments that he was still performing uh, a couple of them, and... Wait, I missed that. So I got that he was laying on hands to heal hundreds of people, yep. but he kept doing it after he got diagnosed with COVID? Briefly, uh, I believe so. Oh yeah, because then he died. Of course it was briefly. <laughs> it was about <laughs> a week from the diagnosis to a death, and... I, when I say briefly, I don't mean one week. Granted, that is brief on these timescales, but I mean more like for one or two days. Yeah, because anytime you get COVID, you get it bad enough to die. You're hospitalized for a little while before all the lung horribleness happens. I, I don't know if he was hospitalized. He was. Uh, he actually died in his own home. Oh, oh man, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not trying to make light of this individual's death, but... The disevidentia surrounding it, right? He had to make poor choices and touch hundreds of sick people. And then after he died, his family kept trying to resurrect him with prayer. Hang on, Pasqueaky. That's not quite correct. If we catch a mistake like this partway through the episode, we'll put a correction in. If we don't catch it this episode, we'll catch it in a future episode. We'll put a correction in there. And we're going to do that because using evidence means owning up to your mistakes. We were wrong. It wasn't his family trying to resurrect him. It was a huge number of his followers trying to resurrect him with prayer. Back to the conversation in progress. Now, there's some cultural reasoning behind this. This was in Cameroon. And in the past few years, or past few decades, I'll say, in this region... There'd actually been a couple of resurrections. I should clarify that, and we might want to get sources for this one. But there have been a number of cases where people have been uh, labeled as dead, even brought to the morgue, put in a freezer, and then they wake back up, right? There have been people with, like, gunshot wounds, or they've been declared dead from a, a bout of malaria, and they get stuck in the morgue, and then they, I don't want to say recover, but, you know, they wake up, and they scare the hell out of everyone because they don't use extremely rigorous means of declaring people dead, or sometimes let the people out in a small rural village decide that they're dead, send it into the city, then the city coroner doesn't double-check. It's be not fair, like these people don't know. Yeah. It is a little bit freaky to have someone die and then start moving again. We have an entire Hollywood subcategory of movies dedicated to that. Religious movies? Oh, wait. Zombie movies. <laughs> uh... Are you telling me Jesus isn't a zombie? Oh, totally. That's like what Easter's <laughs> always about, isn't it? So we're eating zombie eggs. Perfect. Interrupting that zombie life cycle. That's the only way to be sure. <laughs> you sound so sad. <laughs> the family... Oh, goodness. And just the, the news around Pastor Franklin's death. There were protesters, apparently... There was some crowd control from the police, some people got maced. There was a big mess around it, all because they really wanted the body back so they could touch him, 
pray for him, try to get him to come back to life. And I don't remember if they, the morgue or the coroner or the police, if they relented or not. Whether or not they did isn't material to us, I suppose, but it just would have been more spreading of the disease. The coroners uh, and the, the city morgue, they followed the normal city guidelines for COVID-19 deaths, and they actually did a very rapid burial. So no, they did not give the body back. That's good news. I mean, I feel for the family. Uh, it's unfortunate that they couldn't be with their loved ones. But it's also really good that they didn't just spread the disease even more. Because when he was alive, he did a lot of that. <sighs> there being an end to that is, is ultimately good news. Yep. <sighs> oh, I didn't want to... I shouldn't be insulting to this pastor. He's also a prophet. I don't know. You should have seen this coming. Technically. Maybe it was just God's will. Um. Uh. Intentionally. Okay, what's next in headlines? Uh, Trump supporting veterans. Oh. Oh, like all those times he called them suckers and losers? Was that secretly some sort of training mission to help them be stronger mentally and physically? Or maybe it was some kind of secret code like Coffee Pee was. Oh, I get it. I get it. We're not privy to it. But yeah, we have, again, three sources. We have uh, NPR, we have Politico, and we have NY Daily News. We've picked out a few key quotes. Some of this is him specifically picking on McCain. Not a war hero, said Trump. He was a hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured. Fucking disgusting. Yeah. Clearly playing on that winner-loser mentality that he seems to apply to everything. Yeah, I think so. The reason I put this one in the show notes in the first place was I've been getting in a lot of arguments on LinkedIn of all the places. We started this recording in late January, early February, and that was right around the time that all of the conservatives and alt-right people were finding other social networks that weren't Facebook or Twitter or Shopify. <laughs> Because those are all the places Trump was banned from. So there's been a major uptick in right-wing people on LinkedIn, and those arguments are just fun. They're saying all kinds of... There was one where they had a picture of Trump by the bed of a veteran claiming that Trump was the best president for veterans. It's like, how can you say that? We have three sources here that he's just horrible to them. Even that's before we get into, like, previous presidents who were actually former soldiers. Yeah, or at least could, you know, not insult former soldiers. Yeah. Or, or what's up with the whole Purple Heart scandal thing, right? I saw that in the news, and it's just... Is, is this just him being insulting some more? Well, I know that at one of his campaign rallies, he got a Purple Heart from a veteran who just gave him one? The veteran, he wanted to show like make a gesture of solidarity or respect towards the commander-in-chief so he offered his purple heart to trump and like most people would in such a situation he expected trump to be humble 
and give the purple heart back. Trump did not. Trump said, "Oh, yeah." He said that he always wanted a purple heart, uh, but getting one like this is much easier. Getting one like this is much easier. Oh, that is disgusting. Uh, yeah. So that one is our New York Daily News source. Um, when I went through that one, it said Trump claimed it was real. The veteran claimed it was a replica. Yep. So those, that seems incongruent with the explanation that Trump expected it back. But maybe the veteran made a replica just so that way he wouldn't have to bring his real one to the Trump rally. Maybe. I don't know. There's ways to reconcile that. But uh, it is also, it is also characteristic of Trump to claim that you know, what he received is real and authentic because, I mean, he has it. And the veteran, well, if it were authentic, I'd imagine the veteran would be going after it much more fervently than they are. Yeah. So that all does fit. It definitely fits with all the evidence we have about Trump's personality. And uh, it's not so incongruous that we know it's obviously false. We just have to put a little bit of a, I don't know there. Yeah. There's a range of possibilities and none of them leave Trump looking like a veteran supporter. Yep. Uh, well, we have more from Trump uh, in our headline recap of 2020, don't we? There's no shortage of Trump stuff from 2020, honestly. Like, it, just the amount of material Trump has given us is ridiculous. Uh, I hope... When I make those noises, the recording just captures despair. Yeah, probably. So, the, something that honestly probably could fuel all of our content for an entire season or more. Yeah, something that very keenly highlights uh, Trump's failures, specifically in 2020. He had failures in all of his years. But in 2020 specifically, uh, Trump's COVID response, the claim that Trump handled it as best that he could, which was actually something that was conducted by or gathered by poll asking most Americans what they thought of Trump's response. And most Americans answered that they felt that he was doing the best with what he was given. And this... what. Yeah, this is a common response to presidents that uh, go into crisis mode of some kind. Usually this happens in regards to wars or other things like that, but it's not an unknown phenomenon. And as soon as that psychological effect started to die down, people's opinions of the pandemic started to shift. Yeah, yeah. applying that psychology to other disasters in our lifetime, where were you when 9-11 happened? Uh, I was in, I believe, my ninth grade biology classroom, sitting at my desk. Yeah, and I was uh, working, bagging groceries at Albertsons, back when that was still a grocery store chain. The following week, we all heard that President Bush didn't prioritize the nation's safety immediately at first. I don't normally go out of my way to defend Republicans. Uh, God, I guess I should just admit, even though I was one at the time. Oh, that hurts. 
Nobody's perfect. I can't remove that in editing. What? Nobody's perfect. Fuck. Fuck. Okay. But there were tons of allegations, and tons of people were, like, disingenuously attacking President Bush, or President W. Bush, for not immediately going and leaving. And he was doing this photo op thing. He was reading books to little kids or something, right? Something really innocuous and kind of boring. And somebody came up, whispered into his ear for like five seconds, and then he spent another 10, 15 minutes finishing up with the kids. And I think that makes perfect sense. Even me now is a fairly liberal, like, I don't like the right-wingness of the Democrats amount of liberal. And uh, even I can't go back and, and say that Bush did anything wrong because he got five seconds of information and decided to finish up something for little kids. Yeah. Right. Then, I mean, how often does a single airplane crash need the attention of, you know, the United States president? In that moment, even like disregarding all the other institutions and structures that exist for the response to these types of things. Yeah, it's not like we have a it's not like we don't have a federal aviation administration, right? Yeah. You know, people dedicated to dealing with airplane problems. But yeah, I don't think this kind of logic applies to Trump at all. Because President Bush had a 15-minute lapse in judgment and then immediately got on the job and was out there doing things, orchestrating FEMA. By the end of the day, he was doing president stuff. Even if you didn't like him, you acknowledged that he was doing president stuff around this problem, which is just not what Trump has been doing at all. And I guess going to the sources, we've got four sources. We've got doggett.house.gov. We have Omaha.com. We brought that up because there's some University of Nebraska Med Center doctors that have opinions. Springer.com, which is uh, an aggregator for science stuff. And then an article from The Atlantic. These provide a lot of information about how, when this was in motion, we could see Trump repeatedly and habitually making the same mistakes. Have you had to have this argument with people before? Uh, It wasn't really so much of an argument but i have had this talk with people before yes yeah like a common point people try to make with me when i'm arguing with them on reddit or because we live in nebraska talking with anybody in real life a common point people try to make is there's no way trump could have totally prevented the pandemic my thoughts go straight to the other three pandemics that we did just crush right i believe W. Bush dealt with MERS, Obama dealt with Ebola, and SARS. <laughs> and in both of those, either no Americans died, or so few Americans died that we can say no Americans died honestly. Right? Like, it was seriously some single or double-digit amount of people that died, and they did it by having a rapid response and keeping it contained in other places. Every time I have this Reddit argument, I come up with, like, a 12-point list of where Trump fucked up, right? He disbanded the pandemic response team. It was a budget-cutting initiative when he did it. I don't want to sound like a million dollars isn't a lot of money, but this team cost some millions of dollars per year. And compared to the 400,000 people that have died so far, a million dollars isn't a lot of money. Yeah, no, it's really not. It's a cost-saving measure at that point. Yeah, yeah. Trump disbanded a small team that we had embedded in China. 
Now, here's where I'm going to stray away from evidence just a little bit. I suspect that if we still had this team in China, China would have taken it more seriously when it was isolated to Wuhan. Because if there are international observers, you can't just try to sweep it under the rug. And China appeared to have done that. <sighs> Either way, if we just had more expertise helping them in China, we could have gotten earlier information. So even if China wouldn't have clamped down, even if it wouldn't have changed China's behavior at all, we could have gotten intel on this virus earlier than we did. Well, then I'll just keep running down this, this list of like places that Trump could have saved lives. Because right, each of these places, if Trump had made a different decision, lives would have been saved, right? Oh, so we could have gotten information a little bit sooner, but only a little bit. Like, we still got it pretty quick. There was a, an intelligence briefing, I believe, in January of last year regarding the pandemic and the likelihood of it spreading to other places, particularly the United States, because this was United States intelligence briefing. And, like, they, they said the likelihood of it coming here and the disastrous effects that might occur pretty early on, like, but way before most other people in the United States knew. And the dis hmm? No, you're totally right. And that plays into exactly the next thing that I was uh, going to bring up. Trump repeatedly lied to the public about how extreme this was. I mean, we got some of his uh, some quotes from him, and I think even some recordings in meetings where he said how bad it was, and he knew it was airborne pretty early on. But then we have public quotes where he says, this is a flu, this is like a flu, or... We're going very substantially down, not up. I think that's a problem, and it's going to go away. He said all of these things, and for our listeners, check out the, the house.gov link. Uh, but yeah, you were saying about getting the information faster. Yeah, well, the amount of time that there was for us to get information even faster than we did, there really wasn't much time. We could have gotten it... Well, okay, sorry. The United States leadership could have gotten the information uh, I think one month sooner. The American public could have probably gotten information that was important to quarantining two or three months sooner than we did. On the scale of anything with ex exponential growth, a month of lead time is amazing, right? We could have been drawing up plans to close down borders, or actually let me just go down this list I have, right? Trump didn't use the Defense Production Act to make masks, ventilators, or tests, right? He could have done all of those in that month. Could have at least gotten it started. He eventually did make that order, but it was after huge amounts of backlash. Yeah, and when he did, it was small, right? He didn't nearly make the amount of... And he focused on ventilators, right? The last, yeah. least effective stage. Uh, I might be wrong, but I don't recall any time he made masks or told people to make masks. Ugh. Other things, closing down borders, right? After it was thoroughly inside of Washington state, he decided to close down the border to China, or close down shipping lanes to China, except for a list of a dozen or so exemptions. And those exemptions just let the virus keep coming in. But also, closing down the border when the virus is already in doesn't help a whole bunch. I mean, I suppose it helps a little, because you can't get new spontaneous infections, but if the virus is already in, you need more than that. And you need to close the border before that. 
and I'm looking at countries like New Zealand, right? They have a very closed border. Or Taiwan. Taiwan, if you're coming in, you have to isolate. You know, both these places have single or double-digit numbers of cases. Okay, wrapping up this list of crap Trump did. He spread medical misinformation. Right? Not that this specifically killed people. I'm sure it statistically changed how many people died. But he pushed hydroxychloroquine. I don't have any evidence that there was some behind-the-scenes grift or conspiracy. It sure looks like there was, but I can't say that there was. But just so many people got this thinking it would help them with COVID, and it didn't. So that's not good. So we have a ton of people suffering from side effects that didn't need it. He suggested people inject disinfectant. Now, I, I can't say that lots of people went about you know, doing this, but there was a spike in calls to the poison control hotline for drinking bleach, or at least a spike in people reporting it. I don't think anyone died. I should get a source for that, too. It's difficult to die from drinking bleach. Turns out there's a lot of automatic... No, automatic's not the best word here. But autonomous responses to drinking bleach that your body has that's on a subconscious level that kind of forces it back out. Yeah. And the last one he suggested, and I know he didn't suggest it, he was just asking, can we use bright light? And he didn't say we should inject bleach. He, he asked, can we inject disinfectant? Right? But he should have been asking these silly, stupid questions in, behind closed doors, or you know what? He should have just been freaking educated and know you couldn't do that. It doesn't even take all that much education to be like, you know, maybe this is the silent part. Yeah. Ugh. And him asking these questions out loud got dumb people to do dumb things. Not even necessarily people with disevidentia, because if you're going to drink bleach, chances are you don't have multiple sources of evidence. Or this might also just be desperate people. People that have already tried every other cure they can, air quote cure, that they can get their hands on. I hadn't even considered that, yeah. If someone's desperate enough, and I guess... There's really good examples of that with, like, cancer sufferers. Some other things he did. He actively, or appeared to actively work against test proliferation. There's that one really damning quote that he has. And maybe it's just him speaking out of line or having a temporary lapse in judgment. right? But it doesn't feel like that looking at how all the numbers played out and how he always made decisions that would reduce the numbers versus actually reducing human suffering, right? Like, he didn't want the cruise ship to dock because it would increase the numbers, mm -hmm. but if you just count the people on the cruise ship right from the get-go, it would have increased the, the net amount of sick people. He said, testing is a double-edged sword. When you do testing to that extent, you're going to find more people. You're going to find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. He doesn't care how many people are actually sick. He doesn't care if the whole cruise boat gets full of sick people and they all die, or whatever the 3 to 5 or 1% death rate COVID has. You know, it's, it's percentage of people. He just doesn't want those numbers recorded in a place where he's accountable. Yeah. So if people are dying, he doesn't, he doesn't care. Well, <sighs> as long as they're not, like, the wrong people dying, it's all about optics. 
And that's a thing we haven't even touched on yet, because there was so much information with COVID and racism. We just kind of skipped all of that, didn't we? Like I said, there's enough that's wrong with the COVID response from the Trump administration during 2020. That alone could be its own podcast. <sighs> okay, this big list of things he did that was fucked up. He was constantly wanting states to open up. Now, he couldn't just come out and make the states open up. Congress, being, you know, Republicans, didn't double down on hypocrisy as much as they could have, and did play a little bit to states' rights. So they didn't force every state to open up. But man, so many of these people made deals or made political decisions to not do safe things when it was really dangerous. Like uh, here in Nebraska, Governor Pete Ricketts didn't ever... We never actually closed the state down, but... We did have times when we should have, and times when he spoke out against various city measures or county measures that would have saved people's lives. Yep. Like we had meatpacking meat packing facilities where people were getting sick, and they just hid the numbers, or at least delayed the numbers getting out, because the numbers are mostly available now. But that doesn't seem fair or appropriate that we didn't have them at the time, so we couldn't do basic things like avoid places with sick people. And certainly, there's a, a number of people who didn't need to get sick who did. A lot of the officials that are not at the federal level, uh, I can't say for certain what their motivations are, but I, from what I'm able to gather, it certainly feels like their primary motivation is business-oriented. They are more concerned about the businesses and their ability to continue to operate than they are anything else. Like, never mind the fact that these businesses are both owned, operated, and supported by people. <laughs> so the people are still important here. But it's as if their logic is just ignoring that. That is a very short-sighted decision. If we would have done what New Zealand or Taiwan did, and it's probably unfair picking two island nations, but if we would have done what any of these other countries did that had a better response we would have had a much better outcome and we could have gotten our economy open much more quickly. Yep. Uh, pulling the numbers out, right? We have 400,000 dead. There have only been a few million deaths from this. The Nature article, right? We have 22% of the world's deaths from COVID, but only 4% of the world's population. So we have about five times as many deaths than if we had an average COVID result, right? If you have 4% of the population... You should have about 4% of the deaths if you're average. Where the United States, we're supposed to be exceptional. American exceptionalism is supposed to be here, but of course not. American exceptionalism died with, I don't know, millennials seeing reality? No, it, it's still alive. It's just all been consolidated to incarceration. Oh yes, we have exceptional uh, incarceration numbers. We thoroughly delegated prisons to the free market. I didn't think I'd be more depressed after this episode than before. <laughs> Well, okay, the silver lining on that last bit is that Biden has, I believe, signed an executive order where he is halting the renewal of contracts to federal private prisons. Yeah, that's my understanding of it as well. I don't think we should be quoted on that one. We don't have sources for that one right here and now. Yeah, no. But it is good that at least there's motions to make that go away. I won't start celebrating until they're actually gone, though. Fair. Sticking to Trump's COVID response and the numbers, right? 
uh, our mortality rate is double Canada's and pentuple, five times as many as Germany. And if you want to take a look at the link, the OSHA numbers are absolutely horrifying. They break it down by region, and they show which area got hit at what time. And it's pretty clear that the whole first wave, second wave, third wave thing were totally different in different places. The West Coast, when I say West Coast, I mean everything west of Colorado, had a second wave during the summer, uh, but the South got a huge second wave uh, in the fall, and it just it traveled around at different times. And I'm sure if we correlated this data to how governments and how people and how companies reacted, we could see the impacts that were there. Because there, there are times where when a state opens up, their COVID numbers started going back up also. And that plays back into the business response. Yep. If people are getting sick and dying, some percentage of people are going to simply choose to not go out and do business. Right? Like If we just had dealt with COVID and we had some really low background rate of people being sick, you know, some single digit number that we were trying to stamp out with contact tracing, then people would be comfortable going to restaurants. But even though our state is open, I haven't been back to a sit-down restaurant in, I don't know, since March, right? Since March 14th, I haven't been to a sit-down restaurant. I'm fucking fat, right? How often did I go eat at restaurants? Like once or twice a week, and, well, twice is on the extreme end, but once was pretty common, once a week. Hey, if it's Chipotle, it doesn't count, mm-hmm. right? Chipotle is just what you should be eating. That's fair. There's also one last part that we, uh, didn't touch on it was just the testing we had a lot of different opportunities to speed up how we did our testing and it just seemed like that never happened so i remember hearing on the news about how europe had tests before we did and how we had the option to get in on their tests or how we could produce our own tests we had a fairly large amount of red tape around all of this to to verify what was a good and a bad test and that's good to a certain extent but trump never demonstrated leadership on smoothing this out We could have had tests through this that were likely to be accurate and good much earlier than we did. That would have helped actual people suffering, right? Or help prevent actual suffering. Yeah, his individual leadership skills regarding the pandemic uh, actually closely mirrors his sentiment that he was telling everyone else. The belief that COVID was going to just magically go away anytime now and we don't need to worry about it. And it certainly seems that he did not. When you get the chance, I'd like you to do a... Oh, we might want to pause because we've got a pupper. So yeah, segueing into the next stuff that's still related to the pandemic and politics, we have the whole... I don't want to say the whole of the Republican Party, but there were a number of Republicans that were claiming the vaccine... I'm sorry. There were a number of Republicans that were claiming... COVID was a hoax, or COVID wasn't a big deal, or COVID wasn't going to hurt you, or we should go out and open up the economy because uh, yeah, there was only a 1% chance of dying, or whatever they were saying, right? Quick clarification is that a lot of people who did say that COVID-19 was a hoax, what they were actually saying when you heard everything that they had to say on it was that uh, essentially that it's not a big deal, not that it's it's fake. Uh, a bunch of people were saying that democratic portrayal of the coronavirus was a hoax, not the coronavirus itself. But, of course, all of these things are wrong, 
silver lining, I guess. My thoughts on anyone who says it was a hoax and then says, actually, it's not a big deal, is twofold. First, if you're trying to grab attention by claiming something is a hoax and then saying, actually, it's real, your response is a hoax, they're damn dirty liars. It's not that hard to jam into a soundbite. Your response is a hoax. You can say that. They can say that. And you can even make a catchy soundbite around it. They're politicians. They know how to make soundbites. The reason I'm going straight to calling them a liar is the narcissist prayer. It follows exactly that same line where these people who are following in Trump's strategies start off saying, it's not real, but if it was real, it's not me. But if it was me, right, it wasn't a big deal. But if it was a big deal, you deserved it. Yep. That thought process, we just didn't get all the way through it. It started off as a hoax. And then after the fact, you know, later when it was proven to not be a hoax, well, it's not my fault. It's the Democrats. The other part of my thinking, I don't have firm numbers on what the death rate of COVID is. I used to track it constantly. And it looked like it might have been as high as 5% at some points. It might be as low as 1%. But just this real simple logic. Let's just say it's 1%, right? I have 100 Skittles. You want one? One of them's poison. I would politely decline. Yeah. 1% of people dying is fucking horrible. You wouldn't take the chance on your own if you were given the stark decision to do so. Then these people that were saying the Democrat response was a hoax have no problem making our essential workers go out and do this. And again, these are the same people who are calling our essential workers essential workers instead of paying them like essential workers. So all of their behavior is geared towards making other people pay the price for reopening their economy. So yeah, some of the people who did this. Fucking Marco Rubio is the biggest, most egregious example. But Lindsey Graham and Joni Ernst both had times where they claimed shit. And both of them got the va- or, sorry, all three of them got the vaccine really rapidly and up front. And I'm not trying to say getting the vaccine up front is bad, right? So, like, Mike Pence, uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. So, what, the ex-vice president, uh, the current president, the current vice president, and former Senate majority leader and current Senate minority leader. They all got these vaccines. And I don't like all of these people, right? But I do have to acknowledge they got them. We probably should have our leaders getting vaccinated. And even Mitch McConnell, who I normally absolutely hate because he's a scumbag right he got it and he tweeted about it and said it's not a hoax it's very safe and he posted pictures of his turtle-shaped disgusting flabby body getting the vaccine and somebody probably listened to that and it probably saved somebody's life (sighs) not just the person who got the vaccine but other people that person came into contact with probably saved several lives yeah you're right every time you prevent the disease from spreading to one person that our value Right? Yep. For anybody who doesn't know what the R value is at this stage in the pandemic, when epidemiologists are doing the math on how the stuff is spread, when they're doing the math, they put the letter R in for how many people each other person infects. So, like, the common cold infects, like, 1.2 people for every person that gets it. So it does keep growing, but eventually it falls out of the population because eventually enough people are immune, the R value falls below 1, and it eventually goes away like really infectious diseases have R value up in like the like the 2.5 or 3 range and the R value for covid depending on who's doing the math i've seen numbers as high as like 20 and numbers as low as 3 
So no matter how you spin it, it has a preposterous level of infectivity. And the vaccine will help bring that down. And Mitch McConnell tweeting it will help more people get the vaccine. So good on him. You do you, turtle. God, this one's just goofy. <laughs> Tell me about the, the, the accusations that Pelosi and Pence fake their vaccines. Oh, okay. So this one... I didn't even know about until recently, and I'm not going to lie, it gave me a little bit of a giggle. But the accusation is that from some of the pictures that they posted, because that's a super common thing among these people that are in high positions of government, they are all posting pictures of themselves getting vaccines. Well, maybe not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them. All the reputable ones. Yeah. So in some of the pictures, it appears that the cap for the hypodermic needle is still on when they're receiving the vaccination. And so people are claiming that them receiving the vaccination is a hoax. They didn't actually receive the vaccination, and they're using that, of course, as fuel for the claim that these vaccinations are somehow harmful. And it is particularly funny for them to make this claim from those pictures because in both the case of uh, Pelosi and Biden, they there were multiple pictures that were taken and shared. And if hang on, oh sorry, did you mean Pelosi and Pence? Yes, I did. Pelosi and Pence. There were multiple of these pictures that were taken, and if you look at all the pictures, you don't even need all of them, but like a number of them, more than the one that they are fixating on in order to get this narrative out there you will see that the cap was very clearly removed and the reason they can't see the needle is because the needle in that picture in question is inside the person in question yeah so there's no real hoax here you don't need to dig deep it's it's right there in plain sight adjacent to the one thing they're using as evidence yeah yeah it's just and if you look at the pictures right nancy pelosi's needle has this little orange plastic thing at the base of the needle and mike pence's has a little blue plastic thing at the base of the needle and when it's stuck all the way in the arm the little plastic nub is still outside the arm and it looks vaguely like a cap i don't know what its purpose is but you can see the needle sticking out and you can see this thing and i've gotten shots and they have plastic things sticking off of them maybe it's there to hold the cap in place or maybe it's a sprue from when the thing was injection molded or i don't know what it is i'm not a needle expert but you're right you can see the picture you can see the the needle with no cap on it and then the doctor approached the arm and specifically with nancy pelosi she was kind of at this angle leaning towards the camera where the the doctor was behind nancy pelosi relative to the camera and she was just stabbing her in the side of the arm and you couldn't see the, the bottom, like, five millimeters of the frickin' needle. You could see all the rest of it, and you see the needle go in, you see the needle come out. Ugh. My guess, somebody took just the one picture and probably put it in meme format and spread it around Facebook. Because if you get all these pictures all at once, even if you're really immune to evidence, seeing the multiple pictures there together just would really dampen your ability to claim any sort of bullshit. Yeah. That explains it spreading as aggressively as it did. But, like, the first person who got the idea to start spreading that one picture had to have seen all the pictures at once. So, I don't know, maybe... Could have just been a troll spreading it for the lull. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been malice. Uh, or it could have just been 
ignorance, maybe they were scrolling through the pictures and they thought they saw something and immediately jumped at it and didn't really bother uh, collecting more evidence from there. I have no clue what our password is, John. No for fear. Speaking of people jumping at things that are irrational, you uh, did a whole bunch of research on whether or not COVID was man-made. This one was kind of fun because so most of these political discussions are things that I have experienced with people that I don't actually know on a personal level at all. It just random Redditors, for example. But this particular claim was one that actually made it into my personal social circles. I had two people I did know on a personal level try to claim to me that COVID was a man-made concoction that was released into the populace. And that when we were first hearing reports about COVID, that was kind of a a fair guess because we just didn't know. We knew next to nothing about the virus, and honestly, any guess was a reasonable guess because there was no information. Hang on. (laughs) I get what you're saying when you mean any guess is a fair guess, but that's because I know you. If you don't know, then I don't know should be the fair guess. And then also, we haven't had any artificial pandemics yet. There's no prior art here. There's no examples of somebody making a plague in a lab and then releasing. Yeah, theoretically it's possible, but we've never seen it in practice. Sure. It is unprecedented, but the the possibility is rather trivial for it to happen if enough mistakes were made. Oh, and I presumed you meant malicious. But yeah, I suppose it could happen. I don't agree it's trivial, but I agree it could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, malice could be responsible for it as well, uh, but... If, I don't think if it were malice, it would look like this, but that's just my personal take. And as far as making the claim, I don't know, and that being the guess, well, that's not really a guess. That's just a statement. When people want to get answers, it's just like the scientific theory. They have to make a hypothesis and then they have to test it. And when you're initially making that hypothesis, asking any question, Okay, maybe any is a little bit generous, but there's a wide range of questions, this one included, that is not entirely unfair. And then you gather evidence and information to try to verify or refute the claim, and then you go from there. You refine your theory. And this is one that was made pretty early on, and it was shot down pretty early on, but for reasons that I don't quite understand, it has persisted even after being definitively shot down. All right. I will totally agree that saying I don't know is very unsatisfying, particularly when people are trying to get to answers. But uh, when this first came up, per the, the sources you linked, it was Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas who was the first person to just start asking questions publicly. And asking questions, you're right, it's honest and it's important. And I totally even agree that asking if this was man-made, because it could have been, right, is a good question to ask. But maybe the House of the Senate on live TV isn't the right time to be asking that question. And maybe a U.S. Senator is the wrong person to be asking it. It should have been scientists in labs or epidemiologists with spreadsheets. It should have been somebody who's qualified to dig into this and not some conspiracy theorist idiot from Arkansas. 
So those not that there aren't smart people in Arkansas, they just don't make it to the Senate there. Those people did ask the question, and they did do their work, completely separate from Congress. If your sentiment is more that this person should not have tried to propagate the belief and tried to incite panic, then, okay, yeah, I agree with you there. But this is in no way an exclusion to any of the other normal channels that we go through this verification. That's exactly where I'm coming from. So, the the argument in favor that it is man-made, there was one publication I found that coalesced a lot of these claims in one location. It made it pretty convenient to look at what the, these claims are. And a lot of these individual claims I was not able to independently verify because that is a more involved task than we had time to get into, unfortunately. But the article did have a number of sources, and I'm going to go ahead and skip to the end, specifically regarding the sources, because I find it amusing. When I was going through the article and they sourced a particular detail in the article, I went on ahead, clicked on it, and tried to follow the link for the source. Not all of them were links. There was one of them that appeared to be a publication number for presumably some kind of uh, scientific or scholarly paper. I tried to do a Google search on that one, and I found absolutely no results. Nothing that was related to the topic at hand. And all the ones that were links, every single one of them was a broken or dead link. So following up on their sources, I was unable to verify even a single one. Oh, that's sketchy. Yeah, that's fun. Like, I expect links are going to just decay over time. That's a normal state for the internet. But not even a year later. last year, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not even a year later and all of them. That's really sketchy. All right. Now, just for the listener's benefit, for the COVID was man-made discussion, we have four sources. This one you're talking about is the crstonline.com article. Yes. Uh, But you also have a link directly to a Nature article. Uh, You have a link to modernhealthcare.com and their COVID safety guideline. I'm sorry. They have a safety quality article saying that COVID wasn't man-made. And then a Forbes article. And the Forbes article has a decent timeline, but I, I don't like the way Forbes handles reporting because they will take bullshit and instead of owning it and saying this is bullshit, they will just put it out there. So, like, when Senator Tom Cotton asked his questions, they just put the question out there. We know it's bullshit, and they didn't say it's bullshit. Uh, sorry, that's my own personal axe to grind against Forbes. They keep doing dumb stuff, and it keeps impacting me. So, the CRST article. Yeah. You verified that none of their sources were verifiable? Yes. What kinds of stuff did it say? The short summary of the claims was that the initial outbreak, the epicenter of that outbreak, was far from the natural habitat of the bats that allegedly spread the virus. Uh, they did not even bother to provide a source on that particular claim. The There was also numerous job openings at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is the lab that is the focus of this particular theory because of its proximity to the outbreak and that it is actually a known research institute for viruses that are similar to COVID-19. These job openings occurred on November 18th, 2019, and December 24th, 2019. And that was 
one of them where they did provide a link, but the link was dead. So I was not able to verify these job openings. Institute also allegedly gener generated a chimeric SARS-CoV virus. And from this virus that it generated, it warned the possibility of human infection. Again, couldn't verify that. Well, horseshoe bats. On the on the warning. Sorry. If I made any chimeric virus, I would warn people that it might infect humans simply because it's a novel thing. Nobody's seen if it can or can't infect humans, and you never know, right? So I would always slap a warning label on that if I had the choice. Yeah, they're not entirely flying blind here. They have good data on the different kinds of like receptors and. Uh, I don't know what the, the technical term here is okay. for the virus that connects to the receptors, but they have good information on how these things connect with one another. And it's not a hundred percent in its predictive value. Of course, these are very complicated, nuanced systems that are involved, but they had more than just a guess that humans would be susceptible to this type of thing oh okay so which is why they issued the warning my extra level of caution is just paltry compared to their level of understanding that, that makes perfect sense uh next claim was that the horseshoe bats which were considered an intermediate host they don't live in the wuhan area and they were not sold in the wet markets in proximity to the viral lab they were however tested on and used for viral testing in the lab itself. So the accusation goes like, okay, well, if this one particular bat was an intermediary host or the virus jumped through, then the virus would have had to have been inside the lab at some point to make that jump. And of course, like the other things, there's no real source that I was able to readily find to back that up. I remember reading this part of that article, and one thing I was uncomfortable with was the CRST's claim that these were never traded in the wet markets. It's my understanding that the Wuhan area is very dense, very urban, like many millions of people, right? Yeah. I could imagine trying to make a claim that no butcher in Omaha, right? And Omaha is a much smaller place. If you look at the whole Omaha metro, it's 1.2 million people. I could see someone trying to make a claim that bats were never shared for food in Omaha and then proving that person wrong by digging up someone who did it on the side, under the table, in some sort of shady deal. And we're a much smaller place, but we have our fair share of butcher shops and abattoirs. Yeah. I don't know how you can make that claim for Wuhan. My understanding is it's extremely dense and... The wet market itself is not particularly regulated, so I don't even understand how they could make that claim. Yeah, yeah, the, that evidence is pretty weak. And if that's what conspiracy theorists are going to hang their hat on, you're going to claim to know about the absence of something? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the last couple of details can kind of be lumped into one thing. There were papers that were released from multiple sources, uh, including... Chinese scientists and Indian scientists that in eventually were redacted or retracted from publication. The Chinese scientists were, they initially said that they were too hasty with their announcement, that they were concerned that it might cause some kind of hysteria, and that was why they retracted it. But around the same time, China allegedly 
also made a new rule that required all scientific publications to have government approval, and it coincided with that rather well. And again, I was not able to follow up on their source to verify. Yeah. So it sounds like there's good rebuttals for every single one of these claims that CRST is making, and these are some of the better phrased and more coherent claims yeah. that COVID was man-made. This is the most coherent claims I, I've heard on this particular topic. And, and it sounds like a fair assessment of this is implausible at best. For a couple of them, they just on the surface of it, yeah, they seem very implausible. Like the, the claim about horseshoe bats, pretty implausible. Job openings that seems entirely arbitrary, uh, that might be something, or more likely it, it's just nothing. That was just their normal rotation of hirings that they have, and they weren't paying attention to the October or the September hirings that also occurred on this schedule. How do we get to the hirings being part of this, what is sounding more and more like a conspiracy theory? The belief is that these hirings were because they were ramping up production of the coronavirus, and they were having issues with its development, and they were preparing it for primetime, air quotes, I guess. Oh, so it's, it's like building software, right? It's going to be buggy in production, and maybe the version they released isn't killing enough people, and that's the bug. So a lot of these... Like, it's it's difficult to make Wait. some of these claims or, and, like, shoot them down. Like, again, the horseshoe bats. Hang on. Sorry. Just, I want to make sure that I understand that last claim. Sure. These people wanted to make a disease to release it into the public, and they hire for that position publicly? That is the belief, yeah. They just put it on their website? And it just on its face, that's incredibly stupid. Imagine going to jamesbondvillainhiring.com, right? And go to the section on henchmen. You're like, I want to be a henchman. Oh, wait, I know virology. This James Bond villain is hiring virologists. I mean, none of it works that way. What is the thought process here? We're just going to hire randos off the street and then a month later have them releasing viruses? Yeah. Who thinks that plan could work? Uh, conspiracy theorists? I wish the listeners could see my face. I am just so defeated right now. Because you're absolutely correct. There are people who literally believe this. Yep. Who think this is true and correct. Ugh. So there's a few basic questions we can ask ourselves, aside from the ones that we've already raised about the, the specific claims. Like, if this was intended to be a weapon, why isn't it more effective? And the, some of the retorts to that is that, well, it was accidentally leaked early in its production. It's not been refined enough to be an actual weapon. Like, okay, that kind of moves the goalposts, and you know how that goes. As soon as you shoot that one down, they move the goalpost again. Yep. But there have been actual studies that have looked at COVID-19 itself and done... Oh, what's the word? The reverse genetic stuff? Uh, yeah, like a, a genetic analysis. We'll just keep it a little bit vague there they've done a genetic analysis on COVID-19 and they found that the way that COVID-19 uh, attaches itself to cells is pretty flawed it's not really optimal and if we were to engineer a virus 
we could pretty easily engineer much better ways to do it. Additionally, we have, because coronavirus, we have to say COVID-19 to specify an individual virus because coronavirus is an entire family of viruses. And there are, I think they said 20, don't quote me on that, but there are a number of coronavirus like kits, uh, genetics that we have pretty well mapped that could be used to build a an engineered coronavirus from. And looking at the genetic data in COVID-19, it does not appear that it's necessarily based on any of those kits. So it would have to be a kit that's secret, but like that's a whole new claim. No. And that doesn't seem to be supported by anything. Can you explain what these kits are to me? Because I saw that wording in some of the sources you provided, and I just kind of moved past it because I didn't understand what a kit was. Uh, I believe, based on context, is I, I'm not a virologist myself, unfortunately. I'm mostly just reading these articles, and they weren't super clear on what a kit was in these articles, unfortunately. But gleaming what I can from context, it seems that these kits are just uh, possibly physical examples of these viruses or they are just large knowledge bases of how these viruses are assembled or maybe it's even both but they seem to be basis for study in a lot of cases on these viruses okay that makes sense so a kit is one collection of either dna or research or papers but all the things that would go into you know a team making a virus yeah okay and this didn't have any of the similarities to any publicly known kits. So you would need someone with vast resources to make a secret kit to do this. Yeah. I mean, that's theoretically possible. It's just preposterous, and there's no evidence for it. Yeah, zero evidence to support the claim. <sighs> Additionally, we, from what we have been able to glean from just COVID-19's structure, it is pretty easy to surmise that this did just evolve in the wild. And this is the most important part of all of this. A lot of conspiracy theories stem from a need to explain something that cannot yet be explained. And this is just something that that doesn't really fit for. We don't need a crazy conspiracy theory to understand how COVID was formed. The uh, number of steps necessary for it to occur in the wild was remarkably small, given the environment and the other information we were able to glean from its environment. We don't need it to be man-made to understand how it exists. I'm pretty sure there's a huge overlap in people who believe conspiracy theories, people who are extremely devout or fundamental in their Christian beliefs, and an overlap in people who have difficulty with evolution and both of those groups. If you fundamentally don't understand evolution, it seems a lot more plausible that you would need an extra explanation. I imagine made in a lab is an appealing explanation to somebody who can't understand the other evidence out there. Yeah, uh, an understanding and acceptance of evolution is kind of required to understand how these viruses mutate. Absolutely. And someone who doesn't accept that or understand it, then, yeah, man-made is a much more lucrative explanation. Uh, yeah, and looking at, at that Nature article, right, I was scrolling through there. They had some pictures that were clearly simplified. I mean, they were still intended for other scientists to understand. But they had the, the genome sequenced and they labeled, like, parts of it. 
right? Like, here's what's the same between all these different coronaviruses, and here's the bat coronavirus, and here's the, the human variant. Looking at the difference, the difference was this extremely tiny part, and evolution works on, usually, small changes. Yep. Well, the idea is if you you put a, you know, a huge number of slightly different organisms in the same environment, you do something to filter that environment, let's say kill all the ones that don't survive or don't spread or don't reproduce, and you fill that environment back up again, and then you filter it again, and you fill it back up again, each go, you're going to have slightly different organisms, and they're going to be slightly better uh, in aggregate than the previous generation. So this slow, repeated filtering is how evolution happens. And a slight change to the genome that allows a bat virus to reproduce in a human is going to give those human viruses a, a much larger environment to live in. They won't have to compete with the bat viruses at all. They'll be in new, in new places. They'll be in people instead of bats. And they just breed as fast as they can. And if they breed, they get to stick around. It's not hard. It's not complex. And a lot of people put more complexity onto evolution than really should be there. I don't know. Have you ever heard of the crocoduck? I can't say that I have, no. There was this meme floating around maybe 10 or 15 years ago. A ton of people who were super against evolution. They said that they've never seen a thing that was half crocodile and half duck, therefore evolution couldn't be real. They totally missed the point that evolution says that that shouldn't happen. Yeah, it just, just shows how misguided some of these people are. Right? They, they honestly thought they were doing good work spreading truth, and they just didn't, didn't get it. The most crazy thing i've heard about people trying to refute evolution they weren't even refuting evolution they were trying to discuss the the very notion of genesis they were trying to say oh well i have this rock this rock according to evolution should become oh let's say a mouse but as i watched this rock it remains a rock and they think that, oh, well, okay, that means that I've declared victory over the notion of evolution. And it's like, ah, no. <sighs> Maddening. Yeah. People who refute things without even attempting to understand them. That hurts a ton. Yeah. <sighs> Although, personal anecdote, one of my favorite circumstances when I was describing evolution to a reluctant person, and I actually wasn't describing it to them they thought they were being snarky and smart by saying well if evolution is real and humans came from monkeys why do we still have monkeys and my immediate response was if americans came from british why are they still british oh <laughs> uh, that's perfect that shut them down pretty quick uh yeah yeah that would I have always been trying to use academic responses to that. Be like, oh, humans are monkeys, technically apes. We didn't come from monkeys. We came from, you know, chimps. And they're like, but chimps are monkeys. I'm like, oh, oh, I, I can't use nuance here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to copy what you said. That, that works really well. Go for it. Uh, that's, that's all the uh, topics we had to discuss. Recapping some of the biggest points of disevidential in 2020, wasn't it? That uh, we were able to curate within the time we allotted. There's so much more. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. 
And this has been the Disevidentia Podcast. If you want to contact us, you can reach us via email through contact at disevidentia.com. In future episodes, we'll be putting sponsor spots here. But for now, we don't need your money. We would just like you to like and subscribe or give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. iTunes and Spotify reviews can go a long way towards helping the podcast. Contact at D-Y-S-E-V-I-D-E-N-T-I-A dot com. This has been a Blacktop Studios Incorporated production. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. The music was Slow by Pit X. Used with permission in accordance with the Creative Commons license.